name is Keith Dollar. I'm the lead campus pastor here at City Church. And what a joy it is to be doing what I'm doing, to be here worshiping with you all, to have purpose, to have hope, to have vision in, in life. And one of the books that we're looking at tonight, uh, the book of Ephesians, a book that is loaded with purpose. It's a book that has greatly impacted my life. Uh, many uh, Christians throughout history have been greatly impacted. Theologians have favored this book. Many have called this uh, the Alps of the, the New Testament, the, the Great Canyon of Scripture, the, the Royal Capstone of the Epistles. The book of Ephesians is it's so tight. It's theologically dense. It's tight. And, and the Apostle Paul starts off in the first few chapters of Ephesians unpacking the riches of God's grace. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. The praise of the glorious, of His glorious grace. He starts off with this, uh, what, what many call a doxology. From verses, uh, chapter 3 to verse 14, Paul has one long sentence in the Greek language. One long sentence where he just runs on talking about the riches of God's grace, His glorious grace, and all that He's done in Christ Jesus, and all that we have in Him. Our salvation, our redemption, our adoption as sons and daughters of God. And in this first section tonight, we're going to look at how those of us who know Jesus and are in Christ Jesus are blessed. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, if you want some backdrop to Ephesian church, uh, you can read Acts 19. Actually, I want to make that an assignment for everybody. Read Acts 19 this week. And read the backdrop of how this church got started and some of the miraculous things that took place when the Apostle Paul was on his missionary journey preaching the gospel, how things changed in this city. This was a, this was a, a, a city in, in Asia Minor, and, and it was a port city, it was a wealthy city. There was a lot of idolatry and immorality. It was, there was darkness there. Paul writes about spiritual warfare in uh, Ephesians 6. And he experienced it while he was there. But, but there were people coming to Jesus in this city. And the church got established. And, and one of the things that happened was they started getting rid of, or, or I think maybe even burning, they got rid of their, their, their books, their, their, ma- their magic books and, and, and uh, witchcraft and stuff. And there was such an impact that the economy in Ephesus was affected by the preaching of the gospel, the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So what happened was people were turning from their idolatry and the silversmith who created idols for Ephesus started losing money. And he got mad about that. He was upset about that. Can you imagine what this city would be like if, if we made such an impact that some of the sinful businesses, the businesses that are, have sinful practices like the porn industry and many others would just start going out of business. Can you imagine that? And they would get upset at the church because like, it's our fault because we're preaching the gospel and people are coming to Jesus and they're turning away from their sinful practices so they're not spending their money on worthless things any longer. Can you imagine what that'd be like? So, so this is a little bit of the backdrop of the, the Ephesian church. They had one of the seven wonders of the world there, which was um, the, the temple of Artemis. 
It was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. There was a big theater there. They had some good things going on there in, in Ephesus. book of Ephesians breaks up in, in two sections here. The first part is Paul unpacks the riches that we have in Christ. And the second part, he unpacks our responsibility as Christians. The first part, he, he unpacks the blessings that we have. And then the second part of the, the book, he talks about our behavior, how we should live because we are Christians, because we're followers. The first part is, is dense with doctrine. It's dense with doctrine. The second part is, is focused on duty, how you, you live it out. The first part of it, Paul unpacks the wealth, the spiritual wealth that we have as Christians. And then the second part, he, he unpacks our walk, what it looks like to walk it out as Christians. The first part, he focuses on our calling. And the second part, our conduct. The first part, he focuses on our position in Christ. And the second part, he focuses on our practice as Christians. So with that said, that's my intro. I'm going to pray and we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you how it imparts grace to us, how it sanctifies us, how we're, we're challenged, we're, our eyes are open to see truth and, and freedom comes, God, as we know this truth and believe this truth and embrace this truth. And God, I pray tonight that you would come and do what only you can do, that you would help us to see that your word is alive, God, that you are alive and active and you're speaking. And I pray that we would hear you today and that we would respond to your voice and that we would obey. We welcome you here. I ask that you would help me to handle your word well. Help each one of us to understand what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, it is up there on the screen. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He has set forth in Christ as a plan for the, for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire 
possession of it to the praise of His glory. And all God's people said, Amen. So here's where we're going in Ephesians chapter 1. God deserves all praise and glory and honor in view of His gracious blessings of election, adoption, redemption, and salvation that He has graciously given us in Christ Jesus. God deserves all praise and glory and honor for His blessings that He's showered down upon us. Again, this little section here is called the doxology. Uh, If you have an NIV translation, and there's another translation that that translates verse 3 like this, it says, praise be to God the Father. Praise be to God. There's there's this praise, this, this, this outbreak of praise to God the Father who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Actually, one of the songs that I just kept being reminded of was the doxology as I'm preparing this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. His blessings have come down upon us. So it's fitting for our praises to arise to Him. Because He's been good to each one of us. Especially those of us who are in Christ Jesus, those who know Him, those whose sins are forgiven, those who are adopted into His family. The first thing that we're going to look at here is that God has chosen and adopted us to the praise of His glorious grace. Uh, there's several times here that this, this praise, there's several repeats of this praise. So the, verse 3 in the NIV says, Praise be to God and Father. Uh, verse 6 there says, to the praise of His glorious grace. I believe verse 12 also says, to the praise of His glory. And verse 14 as well, to the praise of His glory. And so there's this praise going up to God because of what He's done. And it starts first with eternity past, God has chosen people to be in His family. This is a profound good truth, gospel truth that should stir our hearts to praise Him. Verse 3 says, He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And then He starts unpacking in the rest of the section, He unpacks those blessings. What are those blessings? What are those blessings that He's lavished upon us? Well, first of all, He's chosen us. God has chosen us. Those who are Christians are chosen by God. If you're a Christian here today, You're a Christian not merely because one day you decided to follow Jesus, but God, before the foundation of the world, chose you to be His very own son or daughter, to be in His family. That's awesome. That should inspire worship. I know many of us have experienced what it's like to not be chosen for various things, whether it was a job, whether it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whether it was a sport. You know, I'm play basketball on on Monday nights and we pick teams and we start off and sometimes I get chosen to be on that first team and sometimes I don't. It sure doesn't feel good because I want to get in there and play some ball and here's the good news. God has chosen me and He's chosen you. Those of you who are in Christ Jesus, 
He's chosen you to be His very own. You're chosen by God. He wanted you to be in His family. That's awesome. That is awesome. And you know what? This is all to the praise of the glory of His grace. This is, this is grace. That means that we don't deserve this. We did not earn this. Actually, before we had any ability to do anything, to try and even merit favor or blessing from God, He chose us. So we couldn't do anything about that. He, he already did it. He chose us in Him. And then He adopted us. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Notice when He chose us. Before the foundation of the world. Before He even said, let there be light. Many folks use this as a reason to debate. And there's much debate around this particular topic. But for the Apostle Paul, this is a reason for worship and praise. And it should be for us. The truth that God chooses us and loves us based on His grace. And it, again, it goes back to the praise of His glorious grace. And then the next thing, that, that He's adopted us, even as He chose us before the foundation of the world. Actually, look at this. That we should be holy and blameless before Him. Notice what goes along with being chosen by God. Living a holy life. That should confirm your chosenness of God. That should confirm your salvation, that you're living a holy life because you've been chosen by God. You've been saved. You've been delivered. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But then in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. So notice how chosen, being chosen by God and predestination go together. So predestination was that he predetermined beforehand, like he decided beforehand. Now, I don't claim to fully understand this. I, under, I do believe that there's mystery here. I believe this is true. And I celebrate this truth in the Scripture. It's, it's a reason for me to worship God and praise God. It's a reason for me to be humble. Because I didn't earn my salvation. I have nothing to boast about. As, as we're going to see in, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, By grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have nothing to boast about when it comes to our salvation unless it's, it's, it's Jesus. We're boasting in the cross. We're boasting in Christ and what He's done and the Savior who died for us and in the Father who chose us and in the Spirit who sealed us. So we've been chosen. We've been adopted. Adoption is such a beautiful thing. It's, it's a God thing. Adoption is a gospel thing. Uh, we have uh, folks at City Church Dallas who've, who've been adopted. We, there's one family right now, one of the pastors on staff is in the process, him and his wife are in the process of adopting children. And it's such a beautiful thing to bring in, to, to, to say, I want these kids right here, and I want to take care of them. I want to love them. I, I want to give them rights to my name, to, to my inheritance. That, and and these, these are my kids. And I accept them, and I'm committed to helping them be all that God's designed them to be. You see, God has brought us, saints, into his family. And this, this should change everything about how we think and how we live. I mean, if your daddy is the one who rules the world, the one who, the, the most wealthy person in the universe is your daddy. Can you imagine? Just imagine for a moment if you were born into a really wealthy family and you had a dad who was really loving, really wealthy, really wise, really awesome, just like the best earthly dad you can think of. 
Would you feel blessed? If you had a need, would you go to daddy with it? Would you bring that? Would you have confidence that your dad is for you? He's with you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide. He's going to speak in, speak wisdom into your life. Saints, we have that times a billion with God the Father. We have a Father who's chosen us, who's adopted us into His family. And He is so for us. He's so for us. When, we, when we're doing awesome and, and we're, we're behaving great as children of God, and when we're doing terrible, when we've just blown it, when we've been snotty, pouty, with that bad attitude, He still loves us the same. And He's for us. Amen? That, sh- that should cause gratitude and worship to arise. Uh, notice this here in verse 4, that the, the goal of this election and adoption that we see here, that we should be holy and blameless. So he's chosen us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. So in Romans 8, I also want to encourage folks to read Romans 8 this week. Uh, Romans 8, Paul says that he's predestined us to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29. We've been predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son, right? That's holy. You, you, you be like Jesus, you become like Jesus, you can't get any holier and blameless than becoming like Jesus. That's holy right there. And, and this predestination and this, this election has purpose in it. And, th- and we should, if, if we are chosen by God and we are born again and we are adopted, we are true children of God, we should be moving closer and closer to this holy life, this blameless life, this Christ-like life. That should be the, that should be the direction we're going in as Christians. Our life should be on a different trajectory. Because I, I look at my own life and where I was before I came to Christ and, and some of the things Paul says about the Ephesians, he's like, you guys were alienated from the life of God. You guys were in darkness. You guys were headed for destruction. And that was me. That's where I, I was headed for jail and hell. And God saved me. And you know what? Even before that, before the foundation of the world, I know that he chose me. And that should give me confidence as a child of God that what he began in me, he's going to finish. That should encourage us. It should inspire worship. So also notice that the goal of, of our election and adoption is to the praise of His glorious grace. God is really big about us giving Him the glory that He deserves. And that's actually the best thing for us. Like, that's, that's good for us to give Him the glory and the honor that He deserves. Because He's the best thing for us. The best person for us. Right? And, and it's good for us to, to want to glorify Him, to give Him praise and honor. It's actually to our joy. When we do so, we're created for that, to give glory to God. John Stott says this about the doctrine of election. He has a commentary on the book of Ephesians, and he says this. He says, the doctrine of election is a divine revelation, not a human speculation. Election, this is something that the Spirit of God has to reveal to us and help us grasp, right? I mean, it's kind of, even thinking about it, some of us may be really wrestling, like, how does that fit in with, you know, this and that, and you may not completely understand that mystery, but you can worship God because it's good and it's, it's a gift of grace. It's a part of the riches of his grace that we have in Christ Jesus. So it's a, it, it's a divine revelation that, that the, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the letter of Ephesians. He was inspired by the Spirit to write these things. 
it's, an, it's an incentive for holiness, not an excuse for sin. Because we're chosen of God, it doesn't mean that we should just, you know, live ungodly, unholy lives. We should, we should be motivated to live holy lives and move towards holy living because we're chosen of God. It's a stimulus for humility and not a ground for boasting. John Piper says this about this doctrine, and he loves this doctrine and has a lot to say about this and writes about it. But he says that this, this doctrine of grace, specifically of uh, predestination, he says it should humble the best of saints and give hope to the worst of sinners. It should humble the best of saints. We may have some really awesome saints in here, right? Well, this should humble the best of saints because it's not about you. It's about Jesus and, and his grace. Amen? And, 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 and it should give hope to the worst of sinners. We may have some real bad sinners up in here, right? This should give you hope. All right. The Apostle Paul, by the way, called himself the chief of sinners. So you're in good company. Uh, Jesus came to save sinners. And I just think it's so beautiful when he takes somebody like Paul, who is a former terrorist. This guy was killing Christians. And Jesus knocks him off of his horse, saves this guy, and he gets radically on fire for God. And he starts following Jesus, and he becomes one of the greatest greatest missionaries in the New Testament. And we have 13 books in the New Testament as a result of the Apostle Paul coming to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? God, God is sovereign, and He's good, and He knows how to use, take what's evil and turn it around for good. Amen? We see that in the Apostle Paul's life. This is amazing grace. Amen? So we've been chosen by God. We've been adopted into his family. We've been predestined. Uh, We've been accepted. Verse 6 in the the New King James says that we're accepted in the beloved. Verse 6 says this. It says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Or he has graced us. He's accepted us in the beloved. We're, We're accepted by God. If anybody here has struggled with rejection and felt the pain of being rejected by men, being rejected by a parent, being rejected by a teacher, by a boss, by a friend, by a brother or sister, this truth here should minister healing to your heart. That you are accepted and loved by God, not based on what you've done, but based on the grace of God, the undeserved blessings of God. He accepts us. We're accepted in the beloved. Notice this term. In in the Gospels, we have the account of Jesus, the beloved Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. He gets baptized. And at his baptism, Luke Luke chapter 3, if you want to read it, at his baptism, the Father thunders from heaven. When Jesus is getting baptized, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father speaks that over his Son. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. you got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus only did what pleased the Father. He always did what pleased the Father. And you and I who have trusted in Christ, we've been transferred into Christ, and we are blessed, we are accepted, we're graced in the Beloved, in Jesus Christ. Notice in this passage and throughout this book, he, he uses this term, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in Him, in Him, in Christ Jesus. 
All these blessings of grace and mercy and love and adoption and election and redemption and salvation and inheritance, these are only in Christ Jesus. Okay? These are for those who've responded to the gospel, who believe the gospel, who've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. And all these blessings are yours and mine who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? The next thing here is simply this, is that Christ has redeemed us and forgiven us according to the riches of His grace. Here's that phrase. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. In Him is referring to Jesus. In Christ. Uh, When we're born, we're born uh, in, the Bible uses the term like in Adam. So we're, we're born into sin, and sin is transferred, um, well, we just naturally sin. I mean, I have three children, and I'll tell you what, me and my wife did not teach them to sin. They, they learned it naturally. I'm sure they've seen some things from us. I'm sure they've seen us sin a few times. But naturally, they're selfish and want to argue and, and mine and, you know, and, and, and get their way and manipulate and do their own thing. And we'll see that in chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, by nature, we were, we were children of wrath. We were doing our own thing. But God raised us up from the dead. He made us alive in, in Christ Jesus, and we were, were transferred. So something has to happen in every person's life to experience all these blessings. They need to put faith in Christ. At one point in their life, they consciously need to put their faith in Jesus Christ to be saved, to be changed, to, to be redeemed. And when that happens, redemption flows. We have a great Redeemer. He has redeemed us by His blood. God is a Redeemer. He redeemed the children of Israel. They were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And God delivered them through the Red Sea. They were set free from their oppressors and had new life. And God was bringing them into a promised land. They had a heritage. They had something better to live for, they could all of a sudden rest. They could have one day of rest, and actually God commanded it. They were free to rest instead of work themselves to death. God delivered them, and God delivers us in Christ Jesus. There is redemption in Him. And when we're redeemed, we're not only forgiven of our sins, not only the penalty of our sins are taken care of, which is death, right? But also the power of sin is broken. The penalty of sin is taken care of, but also the power of sin is broken. We can walk in freedom. This should encourage any person here struggling with a sinful habit or addiction. There is freedom in Christ Jesus. There is redemption. Jesus redeems us from from the evil oppressor Satan who kept us under fear who kept us under bondage, as we sang tonight, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. See, that's what happens when you become a child of God. You get transferred out of that bondage. You did not receive a spirit of bondage again, the fear, but you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 
We talk to God as our daddy, the one who loves us, the one who's for us, the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. So we have God the Father. Notice, by the way, you see the Trinity in this passage. You see, blessed be God and Father. And then you got God the Father, God the Son, Christ, right? The Redeemer. He, in Him we have redemption through the forgiveness of our sins. And then we have the Holy Spirit. Christians are Trinitarians. Okay? Christians are Trinitarians. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you're Catholic, you do one of these or Episcopal. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? Christians believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And from God, these blessings flow. And you see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to bring about our salvation. The Father chooses us, adopts us. Jesus comes, He's sent by the Father, He redeems us, forgives us, and then the Holy Spirit seals us, and He assures us of future grace. Verse 13, it says, In Him, in Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in Him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Again, you see that phrase, to the praise of His glory. It's all going back, to the praise of His glory. So you got the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has sealed us. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. When, when you became a Christian, when you become a Christian... You get the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And perhaps this is one of the greatest blessings of all, that you get God Himself to come dwell inside of you. You get communion with Almighty God living inside of you, leading you and guiding you and comforting you and teaching you, convicting you. We're told in Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. And he's the guarantee, or uh, some translations might say he's the down payment. Okay, he's the down payment. God has given us his spirit, and he sealed us. Like, I, I have a picture of a seal here. It says, premium quality guaranteed. Many of you who are healthy eaters, and you like to shop and eat healthy, you look for some kind of, some kind of seal or some kind of, something that says, you know, organic, you know, free of uh, gluten-free, or, you know, you look for this, this special little little seal on there or a little, um, a little note there that says, this is good, this is pure, this is all natural, amen? Romans 8, and again, I want to encourage you to read this. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. First uh, John 4 says this, it says, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. So the spirit assures us that there is future grace in store for us. 
The, the Spirit tells us we belong to God, affirms us we're children, and we have an inheritance awaiting us. Amen? So what do we do with all this? What do we do with this, these big concepts that we're talking about here of uh, adoption, be, election, being chosen, um, salvation? How, do we, how should we respond to this? Here's four applications I think that, that we should take in as we look at this text. We try to understand it and apply it to our lives. And I think, first of all, that we should be the most worshipful people on this planet because of every grace that has flowed into our lives. Amen? We should praise and thank God for all that He has done. Praise to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We can say with David in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have everything I need in Christ Jesus. Those blessings are in Him. And then we should live holy lives. Holiness. Live a holy life because of what Christ's done. He's, he's chosen us that we might be holy and blameless before Him. We should live our lives before Him, in His presence, acknowledging that He sees everything. He's for us. He's with us. And He sees. We should live with that reality that God sees. He's the God who sees. He's the God who hears. He's present. And we should have this assurance, blessed assurance, as Fanny Crosby wrote in her, her old hymn, this blessed assurance that what God has begun in eternity past, He will be sure to will, will be sure to be fulfilled. So the Spirit is a guarantee. We we're sealed with the Spirit, Christian. We have this assurance, this blessed assurance that should be the result of having the Spirit living inside of you, having been adopted, having been brought into the family. You should have this strong assurance, even. When you see chaos and evil in a city like Ephesus or in a city like Dallas, that God is working all things according to the counsel of His will, as this this text tells us. That He's working and He's going to take care of us. He's going to work all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I know many people are are very fearful about what's going to happen in these next coming days with the election coming up and... It's kind of scary. But I tell you what, you can take confidence and have assurance that God's going to finish what He started in your life, Christian. He's going to take care of you. He's going to work things together for your good. And then the last thing is we should be humble. Humility. We should be humble about our salvation and our calling. We shouldn't boast about anything except God and what Christ has done for us. Amen? And so let us respond in that way. We're going to sing this song of gratitude to God. Thank you, God, for saving me. And if you're here tonight and you don't have this blessed assurance, if you're here tonight and you don't know if, you're, if you've been adopted yet, you've been brought into the family, i tell you what, I, I think if you're here and, and God's tugging on your heart, I think, I think God is calling you to be in His family. If you're not, if you haven't trusted in Christ, and you're here and there's something going on right here in your heart, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He, he draws us. He woos us. He 
speaks to us about who Jesus is and he, he helps us sink this gospel truth deep inside our hearts, this truth that if, if God didn't spare his only son, but he gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? He will. He gave us Jesus. He's going to give us everything else we need. And so if you're here tonight and you haven't come to Jesus yet, I want to invite you to do so. This is the time. Today's the day of salvation. Don't wait. If you've got this addiction, you've got this struggle, and it, it, you're not sure if you're saved, you're not sure that you're in Christ because you're not living a holy life, or maybe you haven't really even cared about it, but all of a sudden you care now, you desire to want to live holy and follow God, it's the Holy Spirit convicting you and drawing you. And I urge you to respond to that while there's time. Respond to that. And, and then if you want prayer for anything else, come on up. We want to pray for you. You can put your hand up and we will have leaders come right where you're at.